right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 16 again. We'll try to conclude this thought that we started this morning. Several thoughts, but um, thank God for one that got saved because of a clear explanation of the gospel. That's a good song, wasn't it, amen? I need two songs for this Thursday, two songs. I got, I got two salads and two sides and two, two pork loins, partridge in a pear tree. We ain't got no singing, amen? And so... Um, I can ask some preachers to sing, but they'd rather hear you sing. So see Brother Randy if you can uh, sing Thursday and take off work, call in spiritual, and uh, that'd be a blessing if you could do that. All right, Mark chapter 16. Have you got your ears on? Amen. Uh, I wanted to preach on that this tonight about uh, you ought to listen. You know, I, I think you deserve a preacher that's prayed up, studied up, and prepared up. And looking up and perked up. Amen. Sometimes I'm not so perked up. But I believe I also have rights. And that's a right that you ought to listen. Amen. And you ought to listen by the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is as much in the listening as it is in the preaching. And if you don't receive it and don't prepare your heart, you'll miss the whole meaning of the service. And so that's why we want these earphones being used, um, these headsets. Uh, we'll try to get a slide up so you can be notified at the first of each service. And I'd like all four of them to be used and see if we can blow a circuit or something so we can test them out, amen? And so um, I'll be preaching on that in a couple of weeks on uh, the power of the Spirit to listen. The power of the Spirit to listen. If you want to encourage your preacher, act like you're interested. I mean, just a little emotion won't hurt nobody. Like a you know, wink of an eye, smile, or don't wink at me, don't praise God. My wife's the only one who can wink at me, but, um, you know, raised hand, shout, amen, jump a pew. No, I'm not asking for all that. I'm just asking for attention, attentiveness. Act like you want to be here whether you want to be here or not. Fool somebody. Your parents might drop dead of a heart attack when you get so excited about listening to a message from the Word of God, but do it, do it, because it's contagious, because people look up to you, leaders, and the way you listen is the way they'll listen. And by the way, go to the restroom during handshaking. Don't leave while I'm preaching. Amen. Amen. Hey, if a 68-year-old man can make it 30 minutes, you can too. Isn't that crass? But that's the truth. Amen. It's the truth. And some people leave and they never come back. Some people nod and never come up. What I'm just saying is you need to pay attention to this message because it's going to be uh, right down the line about what I believe about baptism regeneration what I believe about signs and wonders as a signal that you're spiritual. And so we're going to rightly divide the Word of God, have a little Bible study and go home rejoicing that it's later than it's ever been before. Amen? When I walked in, the lights were brighter, but you know what was really the problem? It's darker out there, so it made this look brighter. And I want to say this, and I want to say it clearly, is that, folks, we ought to be a bright testimony because it's darker out there than it's ever been. Amen? It's darker. If you don't, if you want to get a burden for souls, go visit the jail for about two or three hours. And see these young men that are 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, wasting their life because of sin. And no hope to get out for a long time. It'll break your heart. It'll break your heart. But let's go to the Word of God. Amen. That's enough meddling. But if you want to go back there and get those earphones, let's hand them out the first of the service. Have them available, and it'll be a blessing. You have a head cold, we'll, we'll uh, sterilize them after you use them. Amen. Praise God. Don't put it in your mouth, put it in your ear. Look at uh, verse 16. Uh, Mark chapter 16, okay. 
I just want to have a little humor because and some people don't like humor at all. Uh, you told me that recently, but uh, I have to get some of you to smile just to make sure you're alive. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand on the Word of God, and I appreciate the way you do listen and encourage me. I'd rather preach here than anywhere I know. And he said to them, verse 15, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I believe about covered that this morning. But here's what I want to dwell on. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. The word tongues, glossia, which means language. They shall take up serpents, and they, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Let's uh, pray as I preach tonight on uh, the responsibility and the need of the gospel. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the wonderful music, the Lord's Supper. Thank you, dear God, for a Christ-honoring time because, Lord, we're here not to honor man or acknowledge them, but, God, we're here to acknowledge you and be grateful for Calvary. Lord, help us be so grateful we take it out of this place and, Lord, we share it uh, with others and give the gospel out with tracts and, God, the printed page and, Lord, on radio and Internet, Facebook, wherever we might uh, take the gospel. God, that we might just take the seed and plant it deep in people's hearts and watch you give the increase. Lord, thank you uh, for the message you laid on my heart. I pray that you'd help me to rightly divide the Word of God and preach it and explain it. And God, may we uh, be uh, stronger believers as a result of this message. Or if there's one that's lost, I pray they'd be saved tonight. If there's one that's got a cold heart and really don't want to be here tonight, they had their choice. I pray, God, you'd help them uh, to enjoy the worship service and enjoy your presence and enjoy learning from the Word of God. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to see in verse 16 and 17 the responsibility of a sinner. The saints have a responsibility to share the gospel, but sinners have the responsibility to, to come to the gospel, respond to the gospel. Their responsibility is threefold. Number one, he, he is to believe. When a sinner hears the gospel message, uh, the person is individually responsible to believe that message. Believe, there's another word for believe in the, in the Word of God that's synonymous, and that's repent. You ought to believe that God is who He is and turn your life over to Him. It's not just believe about, but believe in. If you believed in a communist, you'd be a communist, you'd follow Him. If you believe in a Republican, you'd be a Republican and you'd follow them. If you was a Democrat and you believe that, you'd follow them. Amen? You follow what you believe. So don't ever say a person can believe and not follow. I believe with all my heart uh, that you, uh, your life is totally, radically changed when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, not just about the Lord Jesus Christ. Then salvation occurs when a lost sinner hears the good news of the gospel and is convicted. I was going to preach this in Romans chapter 1, but I don't have time to delve into it, maybe next week. About Romans chapter 1 talks about after the gospel is, is, is preached and we ought to take it to the lost and dying world, that it says righteousness. 
And that word righteousness is mentioned in the Gospels and in Romans uh, many, many times. I believe over 60 times in those few books. And folks, uh, righteousness uh, is not self-righteousness. When we hear the gospel, it ought to convict you that you're a sinner. And folks, without conviction, there is no conversion. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe, folks, uh, that you ought to share the word of God, you ought to plant the word of God, you ought to hand out tracts, you ought to witness the people, wherever they're at and wherever you're at. But I want to say this, friend, they need to realize that they're unrighteous and that their self-righteousness will never never measure up, that they cannot self-righteously become religious. The Bible says in Romans chapter 116 that we're not ashamed of the gospel. Then in verse 17 it says, and for therein is righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so folks, there's a conviction that you can never be right in your own goodness, that you can never be right enough to earn heaven that you never can be righteous, that righteousness is imputed into you, transferred from Christ to your account, and your sins were transferred to his account, and that the just shall live by faith, that we're justified, and that we're made righteous because of the work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. Salvation is a work of faith in the heart, number three. Lost sinners who look to anything else uh, but finished work of the cross of Calvary and the grace of God uh, are looking at the wrong place. Then salvation never comes from a person's good works. That's what I want to deal with in just a few minutes. It's not a good lifestyle. It's not a good religion. It's not a good ritual. It's not even a good ordinance. There's no one saved because you took the Lord's Supper tonight. Now Catholics believe that with all their heart. They believe the bread actually turns in to the body of Christ, and they consume it. I don't know where they get that, but they take some verse out of context. I think you'll know which one it is. But I want to tell you something, friend. Religion is not enough. Ritual's not enough. Folks, good deeds are not enough, and works are never enough. And so when people take these verses and they misconstrue them and they try to put baptism as a a way to be saved, uh, they're being extra-biblical. They're also being erroneous uh, because it's a simple fact that the thief on the cross uh, did not get baptized. Amen? Now, when you say that to a church of Christ, the first thing they're going to say is, well, that was in a different dispensation. Yeah, it was about one minute, one minute before he said it was finished. Amen? But they're going to put it down there where they can explain away that the thief got saved without getting baptized. Now, I'll tell you what, friend, the Gentiles who believed in uh, Caesarea were baptized after they believed. You can look it up, Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 48. It was way after they got saved, amen? And I don't think you ought to wait to the third week in July when the creek's high and it's, and it's warm. I believe you ought to get baptized as soon as you get saved, amen? And uh, then uh, Jesus himself did not baptize. I'm going to prove it. John chapter 4. 1 and 2. John chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Look at it. John chapter 4. Look at it very carefully. This will help you because there's a lot of people out there that's trying to add works to your salvation. And I feel so sorry for them. And they can never measure up and they're miserable. They're miserable. People that are trying to work 
having any work to salvation is Judaizers. They're mixing law with grace, and they're miserable. Look at John chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. But Jesus himself baptized not. Now, folks, if it was a mode or a method or, 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 or a, a channel to be saved, don't you think the Lord would be baptizing? He never baptized. Hey, I want to show you something else. Paul uh, told the Corinthians that he was glad he had only baptized a few of their members. Now, folks, if it's a means of salvation and it's when you get saved, um, why would he be glad that he'd only baptized a few? That mean he'd, that'd be like a soul winner saying, I'm so glad I, do, I only won one person, Lord, in the last 20 years. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's study the Word of God. And this is real risky to have a Bible study on Time Change Sunday because I will put some of you out like a lightning. Amen? Praise God. You know, maybe we ought to have not only headphones, but we ought to have CPAPs out there. Amen? Praise God. Keep you awake. Amen. Look at, look at this. I'm only kidding. Um, some of y'all didn't look like I was kidding. But anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Christus and Gaius. <laughs> now, there's nobody going to be thankful they hadn't baptized somebody if baptism saves you. Look at verse um, 15. Lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptize also the household of Stephanos. Besides, I know not whether I baptize any other. She says, that's it. I want to baptize a few of you. Folks, nearly 150 passages in the Bible, in the New Testament, teach that salvation is through faith alone. Over 150 times, the Bible says that you're saved by faith alone. But I want to say this in defense of all those that are so uh, determined about baptism is that, folks, the New Testament baptism is connected closely with the death burial. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 12, verse 13, that we're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. That has nothing to do with water baptism. It has everything to do with spiritual baptism, that you're baptized into the body of Christ. You can never do that with H2O. It must be the blood of Jesus, Amen. Now, folks, if I believe that baptism saved you, I would literally get a kiddie swimming pool and go out with a truck and try to win somebody to the Lord because the Bible says go wherever they're at and win them to the Lord. I couldn't do that if I believed baptism was the means of salvation. But, folks, I want you to know this. Faith plus works is not a bad thing after salvation. James chapter 2 and verse 17 says this. It says that faith without works is dead being alone. The Bible says in verse 19, and the devil believes and trembles. He has emotional faith. He gets upset anytime Jesus comes on the scene. Say amen. And I will tell you something, friend. There is a work after salvation, but it's not a work to be saved. Amen. I mean, faith without works is dead being lost. And it says we're justified by our works to men. Let's look at it. James chapter 2. Let's take our time on this study. James chapter 2, and I believe it's verse 17. We're studying the book of James starting next Sunday, right? You ought to be in Sunday school and start this off. I, some of y'all uh, 
um, didn't set your clock this morning, you fell back into Sunday school by accident, amen? It's like that little cartoon, I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. But um, uh, thank God for Sunday school, and this book of James is going to be wonderful. And all the teachers rejoicing, they're out of Job. Amen. I mean, they are just smiling, saying, praise God. James, this is going to be a piece of cake compared to Job. But Job was a good study. We need to study it all, amen. Where was I going? James chapter 2, verse 17. The Bible says this. This is the text of my first message. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, and the devil also believes and trembles. Don't make he's, a, he's not a saved devil because he believes about God. It says, and wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Then it goes on in verse 21 about Abraham, our father, justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar. Now, folks, all that's talking about justification before men. Justification before men. Folks, you need to be proof positive evidence that you're saved. The only way that you can be saved, uh, prove to the world that you're saved, is by a light on a hilltop. That you're a light on a hilltop and that your works glorify God before men. That you show forth your works before God. That you're a light, not under a bushel, but on a mountaintop. That you're a city set upon a hill. That you're salt that has some flavor. If Jesus is not talking about being baptized for salvation, what is he talking about? Jesus is talking about obedience to God. Those who are saved by grace will have a desire to follow the Lord in believer's baptism because it's a commandment. They will have a desire to give a clear, public witness to their newfound faith. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. That's why we uh, submerge, we don't sprinkle. And folks, the Bible says in Luke chapter, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, look at it. I'm going to add a verse to it. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, real quick. The Bible says this. I love to study the Bible, don't you? It says in verse 8, not of, uh, excuse, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And so folks, baptism is a work of man. It's doing obedience. But this is where we ought to rejoice in. Verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. We're his workmanship. The word workmanship means you're his silhouette. You're his display. You're the frame. Jesus is the picture. He's the object of your life. He ought to be displayed in your life. So baptism is a public testimony of salvation that occurred by faith when a lost sinner believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And by the way, I believe a person that's really saved should not refuse to be baptized. I don't care how scared you are of water, you ought to be baptized. We're not taking you to Holly Creek downstream. We're not taking you to Conasauga River. We're in a controlled environment. You say, well, bless God, I want to go to the river. I believe in being baptized in running water. Well, that's running water. It goes out the spout, goes down the drain. Amen, that's running, that's running water. Folks, it's a symbol. It doesn't matter where you're baptized at. Just get baptized, amen? And I believe you ought to be ordained in a, a church. But folks, listen, baptism has never saved anyone, never will save anyone. 
because that's not the blood of Jesus and that, uh, that's H2O. And folks, we need to realize we're saved by faith. He that believeth uh, shall, uh, it, it says, and he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, I believe if it was baptism that would save you, then um, it'd say, he that believeth and is not baptized shall be damned. So folks, in the Bible days, let me just show, tell you this, that when a person got saved, they expected immediate identity. To come out of that Jewish sect, it might, you might risk your life, but they were not looking for some shallow little prayer in the closet. They were looking, praise God, for them to get out in the streets and be a public witness and be a martyr and give their life to Jesus. And it all started with the act of obedience in baptism. Baptism identified with the death, burial, and resurrection. It also turned their back on Jewish ritual and Jewish customs and Jewish forms and fashion and shadows and it brought them out publicly as a witness. They expected everyone that got saved to be baptized. And they really doubted your salvation if you weren't baptized. Amen. And you ought to doubt your salvation and you will doubt your salvation if you don't have enough courage to get baptized. Every person that gets saved ought to get baptized. As soon as possible. Amen. A lost sinner has to believe the gospel to be saved. Or has the right to reject the gospel. But folks, a person rejects the gospel of salvation is, that's offered by God, they have no hope of being saved if they reject the gospel. They can get baptized in every baptistry in Dalton, Georgia till they have webbed feet and quacked like a duck and they won't get saved, they'll go straight to hell if they never believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, don't add to God's plan of salvation. Jesus never baptized. Paul said, I'm glad I only baptized a few of you. And over and over and over again, the Bible tells us about active obedience, public profession. But over and over again, tells us that salvation is by faith plus nothing now I want, to get, I want to deal with something else. Not only is baptism regeneration wrong, but folks, having apostolic signs and wonders today is not what God wants. Look at this. It says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In, in thy name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall take up serpents. And if thou drink any deadly thing, it shall hurt them. It shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I said all these verses from 9 to 20 are not found in the NIV. They take out every one of these verses because they've got to have so many changes to be copyrighted. It's all about moolah. It's all about money. These translations are big money. Amen. Stay with the King James Bible if you can find one in a bookstore. That's why I like the bookman showing up with all those King James Bibles. Amen. I was kidding him. I said, you got any NIVs in here? No, that's a good, just testing you, amen. Thank God he moved his van so y'all wouldn't get wet. I had to, had to make sure of that. But where are all the signs and wonders? You know, I want you to see something very unique about signs and wonders. I believe there were signs in the baby stage of the church. I believe the reason there were signs because they didn't have the word of God complete. And I believe with all my heart when a man came and knocked on the door and gave a message like, you need to believe in a virgin-born son of God, it blew people's mind. They thought this guy's, hey, they probably called their wife, said, Thelma, come, there's a nut 
on the front porch. He's saying that somebody was virgin born. Then he, then he goes on and he's saying this, Thelma. He's saying that he died and he was buried and three days later he came out of the grave. This is a nut. He's crazy. He calls himself an apostle. But wait a minute. When that apostle said, hey, wait a minute. Could I come in the house? I notice you have a beer. And it's not a beer like you drink, Bud Lights. Uh, and I don't think anybody in this room drinks them. If you do, you need to give them up. One-tenth drunk's drunk. Amen? I believe in total absence. I don't believe in social drinking. I don't believe you ought to have it in your refrigerator. I don't believe you ought to have a Christmas party where you go sip a little. I don't even believe you ought to have champagne at a wedding. Amen. Oh, you think, boy, you are old, antiquated. That's right. But I want to say this, friend. I believe it's New Testament to be sober. And if you lived in what I lived in, you'd hate the stuff too. Say amen. One-tenth drunks, one-tenth drunk. Ain't no social drinking to it. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. And uh, friend, uh, they would have a, a casket. That's what they called in the New Testament a beer. That's where I got off the course there. And that casket would be sitting in that living room. And that apostle said, hey, listen, I notice there's somebody dead in there. And can I come in? He comes in and he touches that dead corpse. And that dead corpse says, hey, mama, what's for lunch? Then he says, listen, as I was telling you, virgin born, son of God, death, burial, and resurrection, now they're listening. Amen? Folks, that's apostolic gifts. Amen? I'll prove it scripturally now, not with some little funny illustration that y'all didn't even laugh at. But I want you to see this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the whole, the whole chapter. I'm not going to read it. I just want you to glance over it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, real quick. Talking about apostolic gifts. I'm talking about signs and wonders. Why does it... Why don't, why don't today we have faith healers? Why don't today we have snake handling? If you've been in a snake handling service, do not admit it if you've been there. I don't want to even talk to you because you was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Say amen. Like Winnie Bagwell says, where do you want the door through the wall if you're going to have a snake handling service? Amen. Our visitor brought that out this morning. I was so excited about that. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read one verse. It goes on about every believer is a member of Christ's body and has a definite ministry and talks about in the last few verses that all these members are set in the church. Uh, first apostles and second prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing helps government diversities of tongues. Colossia, all are, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Have all the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. But I want you to notice verse 31, the whole crux of the whole chapter. It says, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. A more excellent way. What is the more excellent way? Well, duh, it's the next verse. It's the next chapter. In, front, in the middle of two gift chapters, spiritual gift chapters, there's a book in the Bible that's the love classic. It's the love chapter. He said, though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I will remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. See, in the Bible days, there was the gift of knowledge because there was not the knowledge of the whole Bible. There was a gift of prophecy because the prophecy hadn't been fulfilled from the whole Bible. 
And people would stand up like Paul. He had the gift of prophecy. And he said, there is going to be a rapture. They said, a what? They said, a rapture. There's going to be a catching up of, of saints. They'd never heard that. It's not nowhere in the Old Testament. But folks, it was his word of prophecy. He wrote later down in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. And now people can't stand up and say, hey, I got a new revelation. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive remain shall be caught up together. That's my personal revelation. That's my personal word of knowledge. That's my personal word of prophecy. No, it's not. It's in the book. And folks, when the book was complete, the apostolic gifts faded away. Let me prove it to you. Let's read on 1 Corinthians 13. It says, And though I bestow all goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Then it goes on about charity suffereth long. But then you get to verse 9. It says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, that means we don't have the whole canon of the Word of God when the New Testament was being written. And I'm just going to give you part of what God gives me. He gives me a vision. He gives me a knowledge. Now we have these jokers get up in, on TV and they have uh, these uh, hearing impaired help, all right. They have some usher interviewing people as they come in the door. And he says, what's your problem? He says, I got a bad problem. Cancer in my right ear. Can't hear a thing. And then all of a sudden, they'll radio to the the televangelist, the, um, excuse me, the uh, healer, and he'll say, there's a lady with a red sweater in the back, and she has a problem with the right ear. She'll come down. We'll touch that ear and be healed. And it was all programmed. ABC interrupted or intercepted the signal about 20 years ago and heard them saying that during their little orchestrated show called Faith Healing. I call it fake healing. And folks, the reason I do that, to uh, uh, reproduce that. She's slayed in the spirit, but I never saw her resurrect somebody from the dead. And the reason she's slayed in the spirit, she, she knocked the fire out of them when she hit them in the forehead. Y'all remember that lady? Catherine Kubman, the biggest joke on TV. Oh, there's one lady that got mad at me just then. She's looking at me saying, that was my hero. Well, get right with God. But I want to say this, listen. Change channels at least, praise God. But anyway, Catherine Kubman, the great fake Faker, the great healer. And they all had this program. But in the Bible days, this was real. Look at it. 1 Corinthians 13, 9. We know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, the whole canon of the word of God, and that which is in part shall be done away with. What is this? When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. And when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now what in the world they talk about? Go back to verse 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecy, they shall fail. Not that they're going to fail. It's just that we don't need a prophet to stand up in a service and say, there will be a rapture. No, the Word of God tells us that. We don't need you with your extra biblical prophecy in this place. Amen. Now look, at it goes on to say, and whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Isn't that something? long as there's a Baptist in a room, the tongues probably won't cease. Amen. I mean, they'll keep on talking, but listen, especially a Baptist preacher. But I want to tell you something, tongues shall cease. Why? Because we don't need to go around the mountain to get the Word of God. The Word of God's here. We don't need interpretation. Look at this. And it says, and whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Amen. And so, folks, when the disciples first went out, they had the gift of tongues. They could have interpretation when they couldn't understand the language. And God interpreted, used Peter to, uh, 
to uh, preach in 19 dialects heard in their own tongue. It was really a gift of hearing, not a gift of tongues. In the words glossia. In Acts chapter 14, the last verse says, they spoke in the Hebrew tongue. Glossia, language. And so folks, there's signs and wonders. I want to give you, I'm going to give you two more verses and we'll go home. No, I don't think we will. We've got, we got to dwell just a little bit more. But I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter... Uh, chapter 2. Am I finished with 1 Corinthians 13? Yes. No, 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 no. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 22. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, are for a sign, for a sign gift, not to them that believe. Have you ever heard the Pentecostals Church of God? Now, I want to tell you something. There ain't no more Church of Gods. There are cross points. Amen. There's high points. There's all kinds. Of, they dropped the Church of God. Now, I want to tell you this, and I'm going to say it on record. We ever drop the name Baptist off Whitfield Baptist Church, I'm out of here. Amen. I'll no longer be a member of this church. We're not going to be Whitfield Assembly. We're Baptist by conviction. If, it, if there's anything closer to the Bible than Baptist, I'd be it. Just call me Whitfield Nazarene Baptist Church or whatever, amen? But folks, I want to tell you something, friend. They're dropping that name so they can get more people in because Church of God's too old-fashioned. But it's still church of God because they still got the church of God doctrine that you can lose your salvation and that you can speak in tongues in your prayer closet and they don't want to have, have you speak in tongues in the, in the service because it interrupts the show. Now you say, you're not being kind. I guarantee I'm not being kind because I'm going to tell you something. I'm tired of people being deceived by the show of contemporaryism. That's not biblical. He said it's a sign to the lost. And folks, listen, but to them that believe not, but prophecy serves not for them that believe not, but for them that believeth. For if the whole church come together in one place and all speak with tongues, and they're coming to those that are unlearned, verse 30, 23 of verse, 1 Corinthians 14, or unbelievers, they will say that ye are mad. Oh my goodness, I didn't say that. The Word of God said it. The Bible says if everybody gets in here and starts talking in some gibberish and starts talking in some angelic language and a lost person comes in that back door, they won't feel comfortable like Alan did to sit down and hear the gospel Wednesday night. They will think we are crazy. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. I ain't got enough guts to say it. But I'll, let, I'll read the Word of God and the Word of God says... If everybody's in here speaking in tongues, they're going to think we're crazy. That's what the Bible says. Now go on. But if all prophesy and there come one that believeth not, who is unlearned and is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. See, the greatest sign ought to be the word of God. Amen. That's what this word prophecy means. And folks, listen to this. It says in verse 27, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let him be by two or most three by course and let one interpret. Now folks, if one interprets, that means it's a language. Corinth was in the middle of a metropolis of many languages and people were standing up with their little prophecy and testimony and nobody could understand it. He said, listen, do it by course, two or three. Now how many has been in a Pentecostal church and all the ladies are speaking uh, at the same time? All the men are speaking at the same time. Folks, it's not biblical. And if it's not biblical and scriptural, it's not spiritual. I don't, I don't care how you was raised. You need to realize, folks, if it's contrary to the word of God, it's not right. It's not right. 
Verse 44, so let your women keep silent in the church. You know what that means? That was in the area of tongue speaking. They were ruling the service. They were running the service with their words of prophecy. And he said, hey, listen, ladies, just be silent. And that, it doesn't mean you can't give word of testimony. It doesn't mean that you can't lead in prayer. It doesn't mean you can preach every third Sunday here. No, it doesn't mean, it does mean it does, you can't do that. You can't, and, and listen, women preachers are not biblical either because you can't be the husband of one wife. Amen. I ain't never seen a woman be a husband of one wife. And I've never seen a preacher not usurp authority over men. Amen. And preaching usurps authority. So ladies, I'm sorry you can't be the pastor. I know you're disappointed. But anyway, look at this. Folks, listen. It says this. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things that I write to you are a commandment of the Lord. And if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. And it says covet the best gift. What's the best gift? Christ-like love. Christ-like love. Let me close with this apostolic gift study. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Most convincing verses on this in the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 2. Y'all learn anything? Say amen. As Brother Tony says, amen or oh me. Or oh no or something. I don't know how he says it. Anyway. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. I like verse 3, don't you? Hebrews 2. Y'all with me? Amen. All hearts clear. It says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto them and confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Now, who was them that heard him personally? Apostolic. Apostles. Excuse me. Disciples. His followers. But wait a minute. What did it say about his followers? Look at verse 4 very carefully. It says, God also bearing them, the apostles, witness, both with what? Signs and wonders, and with diver miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. According to his own will. Folks, I want to tell you something. This gift movement, it's not according to your will. It's according to God's will. But I'll say this. It's not even God's will if you're not an apostle. To go prophesy and interrupt the service. Have some knowledge and interrupt the service. Get Stand up and speak in some angelic language and have somebody else wonder what you said. I'll never forget one time I was at a Jimmy Swaggart concert. I didn't know any better. My wife took me there. No, we weren't even married then, amen. And he was singing, there is a river. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I loved his singing. I don't care what you say. Amen. I was backslidden. It's better than the um, other concerts I went to in college. But anyway, all of a sudden, this guy stood up in the balcony. He started speaking in some gibberish, some tongue, some angelic tongue, I think. Scared me to death. I'd never heard that in a Baptist church, especially a dead Southern Baptist church. I'd never heard something like that. And then about that time, old Jimmy looked at him, Brother Swaggart, Swaggart, and he said, Hush! You don't have the leading of the Spirit. And boom, he sat down like a wilted balloon. And I thought to myself, if that's of God, this guy can't sh shut him up. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. He shut him up. He just cut him off. He just sat down and said, I ain't got the leading of the Holy Spirit. I was walking out of that auditorium. This guy came up to me real spooky and said, Son, God is a jealous God. And he walked off. 
I said, sir, what in the world are you talking about? I went home, had to ask my girlfriend, Miss Connie, at the time, what do you think he meant? And she said, I think he meant that that guy on the stage was getting too much glory. That guy on the stage had too much power. That guy on the stage was getting too much applause. And he was robbing God of his glory. I said, I wish I'd thought of that, praise God. Amen. She's my interpreter. But anyway, I'm just saying. Oh, man, let me just say this. Let me just say it. Let me just say it straight. When you got the word of God, you got enough. When you got the Bible, you got enough. Don't look for signs and signals. Fall in love with the Savior. And the greatest sign that you'll ever have is the death, burial, and resurrection. And the Bible says in Matthew, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Now, I know some of y'all raised that way, and I'm trying to be as respectful as I can. I won't call you out or anything, but I'm just going to tell you something, friend. Judge everything according to the Word of God. Amen. One, more, one more passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to prove to you that sometimes you're not going to be healed. Sometimes it's not God's will for you to be healed. And I am sick and tired of these evangelists on TV saying, it's your fault you're not healed. It's your lack of faith. If you had faith you would be healed of that deafness right now. And I want to tell you something, folks. Sometimes there is a sin into death that will send you to heaven, and that's not all bad. Say amen. And some people say, oh, I want to be healed all the time. No, you don't, because you will be on this earth the rest of your life. There's heaven. I'm not saying get up a load and stand out in a storm, but I'm just saying praise God for the eternal healing of heaven. But I want you to see in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, it says this. Now verse 7, it says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through abundance of revelation that was given me a thorn in the flesh and the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. He said, Lord, heal me. I'm also Paul now. Heal me, Lord. A third time, Lord, heal me. And what was God's response to one of the greatest men that ever walked this earth after he got saved? Look at verse 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory, he changes his prayer now, most gladly, therefore, will I, I, I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. In being sick, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now what's that saying? God sometimes says no. But the greatest miracle of all, yes, is salvation. But the greatest miracle of all is His grace. Brother Steve, if I really believed in the gift of healing, I would come up back there and lay hands on not your hip, but on your head with anointing oil. And I'd say, heal him right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, say amen. I would. Matter of fact, I'd go further than that. I'd go down to Eggleston Hospital where those little kids have the terminal cancer 
and they didn't deserve it. They don't know why they got it and they're dying as little babies and I'd go door to door with the gift of healing and I'd touch every one of them, say amen. But I'm not an apostle and we're not in the infant stages of the church. And folks, I would be a fool to go down there and start laying hands on little babies and getting their mamas and daddies hopes up saying, hey, I got the gift of healing. But if it is real, I say those jokers ought to get off TV and they ought to go to the hospital and start touching those babies. Come on, say amen. But I ain't finished with this chapter. I want you to see the next two verses and we'll close. It says, therefore I take pleasure in front. No, verse 11. I am become fool and glorying. Ye have compelled me for all to have commended of you for nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostle. He said, I'm the chief apostle here. Though I be nothing. He said, but I'm humble. And look at verse 12. Truly, the signs of a what? Apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. It says the signs of an apostle. Folks, you're not apostles. The Bible says there have been no apostles since John the Baptist saw Jesus. He was the last apostle. That's what the Bible says. And folks, I just want to say this. Yes, those martyrs without the whole Bible that went with the virgin birth story and the death, burial, and resurrection story, they had miraculous gifts. They had miraculous signs. They had miraculous ability to speak and everybody in the language groups could understand their language. And 3,000 people were saved in one service because of the gift of tongues. Glossia, 19 languages. But that's not the miracle of Pentecost. The miracle of Pentecost was not the means to bring in the message. Not the rushing mighty wind or not the cloven tongues. And by the way, if you're going to take one gift in that uh, Pentecostal chapter where you can, you, can rep, you can reproduce the tongue, but folks, where's the mighty wind and where's the cloven tongues of fire? Can't fake that one. Can't believe that one unless it's God's will. I've never seen it. But I want to tell you what you can do. You can take the gospel like Peter did and say, you've crucified the Lord. But praise God, three days later, he arose from the dead. And you can take the gospel, which is the greatest miracle of all, Amen. and plant it in a soul. And 3,000 people can be saved. And praise God, they can go and storm the world daily in the temple, breaking bread, giving all they got, and being a great Christian as a sign to the heathen that God is alive. So what's our admonition tonight? How can we sum up this whole message? The whole message is this. You don't have to wait for some anointing. You don't have to wait for some signal. You don't have to wait for no sign. You don't have to wait for no special gift. You got the gift right here. It's the gospel. And we need to take the gospel simply and plain, humbly as a servant, as a voice crying in the wilderness, and tell them Jesus died for them. Amen. Jesus arose three days later, and Jesus will save you if you'll believe. And then after you believe, you will be baptized, or you should be baptized. Father, use the message. Thank you, God, for the truth.
for the truth can set us free. We're not looking for another sign. We're looking for the Savior. Lord, I'm listening for the trumpet. I'm not even looking, I'm listening. And Lord, the trumpet could sound any moment and I'll give account of everything I said in this message and I believe it lines up scripturally. And so Lord, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And Lord, I'm not trying to play games or do tricks or try to impress anybody with some kind of self-proclamation that I'm some special anointer or healer or, or sign interpreter or even got the gift of prophecy or knowledge. Lord, I got your book. I got your authority. I got your word. And Lord, your word's enough. Thank you, dear God, for the clear understanding of how God worked in the New Testament before the whole Bible, the perfect Bible, came to being and was complete. And Lord, that he, you worked through miracles and you worked through signs, but today you work through your word. Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm so amazed that in every epistle, the way to guide the church, the way to operate the church, the way to uh, have deacons and preachers and the criteria and qualifications for a bishop or a pastor and all the things that we're supposed to do and be teachers and, and God uh, be spirit-filled, that every epistle was an instruction for the New Testament church and not one mention, not one mention of signs and wonders and tongues is in all the epistles. Lord, I know why. Because they had their, your word. And Lord, they were not just the infant church, they were the church to go out and spread the gospel. So Lord, help us. Help us, God, with the anointing that we have by being filled with the Spirit of God, to be a proof written epistle read of all men, a living epistle, and God help us to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Help us be real. Help us be humble. But help us be filled with the Spirit of God because without your Spirit, we'll cow down. We'll betray you. We'll be ashamed. We won't speak. And we won't live the gospel. With every head bowed, every eye closed, how many say, Preacher, I learned something tonight? you raise your hand you learned something tonight go ahead and lift your hand up for a second but how many say preacher what I've learned I want to apply I don't want to look for some extra celestial signal I don't want to look for some sign I don't want to wait for a miracle of evangelism I just want to take the gospel and be obedient I don't want to take it to a lost and dying world before it's too late and I want you to pray for me because God's laying somebody on my heart that I need to witness to. You slip your hand up high as a prayer request all over this place. God bless you. You're so faithful to come back on Sunday night and hear the whole gospel. Father, thank you, dear God, for your gospel. There's one that's lost tonight. I pray they'd walk out like this young man walked out and get saved. But God, help us to be obedient. Lord, there's one that's been saved and never been baptized. Help them, dear God, to get the courage come forth and, and tell the whole world and their church they believe in the death, burial, and resurrection and not ashamed of it. God help us this week fill our pockets and our pocketbooks up with, the tra with tracts and the gospel and plant it to whoever will listen. And we'll thank you and praise you for using us to be obedient disciples for you in these last days. In Jesus' name.